God, we thank you. We honor your name. Indeed, we sit under your feet just to listen from you, Lord. We exalt you, Father. We bless your name. We magnify your name. The way Revelation 4 says that, Lord, I looked up in the heavens and the heavens were open and the voice of the Lord came in like a trumpet. Tonight, we pray that let your voice be loud. Let all other voices be silenced, O oh God. The voice of the Lord will be loud in our lives so that, Lord, as we bow down to you, we may get your direction, Jehovah God. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name we pray and believe. Amen and amen. Thank you. I want you to celebrate uh, the Lord for allowing us to be here again today. Um, if that is the Lord you serve, I think you can celebrate him in a better way. <laughs> Amen. I'll, I'll ask you also to help me celebrate uh, the men and women of God in the house, Pastor Peter, Pastor Josephine, and Mama Teresa. They are, are great, great mentors to my life. I've been in a pastor's house, and it's just amazing. And we bless the Lord for that. I can testify about them for like one hour. So tell your neighbor... The earliest you can go home is tomorrow morning. <laughs> uh, I want us to um, share about economic empowerment by request. I concealed myself from sharing about it, but uh, the Holy Spirit uh, desired that we share about what my passion is in life. That is what I believe God has called me to do. And that is what I will die for. That is what I can give my life for. That is what I can pay anything for just to ensure that this desire of God, not by expertism, not by professional, but by grace. The Lord has lifted me from one glory of, uh, from grass to grace. And I give him all the glory and I covenanted with him that I will walk around the nations and communities declaring about this economic empowerment. I feel a little bit like we are far, but if that is okay, if you can hear my voice, that is okay. Yeah, the, the, the word of God is very clear concerning uh, our lives being empowered. And when we read in Genesis 1, I'm, I'm going to be paraphrasing, you can write in your phone, your notebook, on your phone or your notebook, uh, so that we may go faster. Because this is something we normally do like for two hours, but I'm going to press it down to a few minutes. So Genesis 1, 26, 28, Bible talks about being fruitful, multiplying, subduing, replenishing, and having dominion on earth. And God calling man and blessing him. So when God created you and me, he blessed us. And he desires that we be a reflection and a representation of his glory. He desired that we be a display of his splendor. He desired that exactly how his glory is, we may manifest here on earth. And that is why the Bible says, and God blessed them. And that was empowerment. He empowered them to make things happen here on earth. He empowered man and woman so that they may come and, you know, make of his, um, subdue the earth so that they may enjoy 
and the whole creation may give glory to him. At times I ask the question, are we in dominance or we are being dominated as the body of Christ? The question is, if God created us with all the resources, why should we live with attitude of limitation and yet he created us to dominate, to be above? And I want to say that um, when, he, when, when, when he created man, of course, the enemy came in uh, and, and destroyed that image. But we thank God, the Bible says in John 10.10, 10, that the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Christ came so that he may make us to live life of abundance, so that he may bring that abundance back. Praise the Lord. So when that abundance is back, that means his image was restored in us. When Christ came, he removed that uh, image that the enemy had destroyed and ushered us back to the dominance, back to God's image. So we still need to dominate. It is not just Adam and Eve that were blessed, but we even need, Bible says, greater things shall you do than the one that he has done. So we have the image of God and we have a license. So many people ask, why do you teach economic empowerment in the church? And yet this is a professional thing. The answer is in four aspects. Number one, it is God's idea. And I've explained that. Number two, the church needs finances. The church cannot run on a vacuum. The church needs a building. The church needs, for me to speak loud, I need this microphone. And for a long time, the enemy has deceived us that when we are born again, we are speaking in tongues, we don't need to listen to anything else. I remember hearing a pastor praying for members of his church and declaring and saying, this week I see God releasing a check in your account. And I said, it's good. I am a woman of faith. I believe that. But if you don't put these hands on something, for sure you will wait that check until Christ comes back. We need to get the principles of God to use them, to get the resources to use in the house of God. So why do we teach economic empowerment? We need money in the house. The Bible says in the book of uh, uh, Luke, you can just write 8 verse 3. There was this woman called Joanna and Susanna and Mary Magdalene, the one that the, the, the Lord had prayed for, for an evil spirit to come out. The three girls, they were with Jesus. The Bible says clearly that they were helping, supporting Jesus with finances. And you know, I asked myself this morning, I was feeling fire, fire, fire. Was Jesus unable to create money? Do you think Jesus was not able to formulate some money and dollars to come down to him, for him to, to use? He was well able. But this was a demonstration so that we may get the same formula and pattern so that we may use it today. Every word that has been written in the Bible, it is for our benefit. It was not for the benefit of Christ. The Bible says Mary Magdalene, Susanna, and Joanna were supporting Jesus, not to wash his clothes, not to clean his, his to do what? The Bible says they were supporting him with finances. John Barnabas in the Bible, he was a source of encouragement. He was supporting the saints with the money. And we the church, I don't know about South Africa, but in Kenya, the church fears 
to teach people about making money. And sometimes the church has reached a level where they say it is not a spiritual thing to discuss about money in church. Yet it is very spiritual because Christ himself needed money. And he, it is not because he could not create things. He could still multiply fish and he could even have what he wants. He could even have security, all. But he had a treasury. Why? Because it is a demonstration for the church to help the same. Why do we teach about economic empowerment? It's because the ministry needs money. Your vision needs money. Your purpose can be only be fulfilled if you have resources at your disposal or in your hands. And this is uh, very crucial because uh, if for, for sure, if, if God starts teaching, when God starts teaching a church on economic things, and also God starts teaching about giving, it is a season where God wants to bless people in that congregation. Anytime I'm in a congregation, people start giving, building, demanding we WhatsApp, we contribute. I always feel in my spirit, God wants me to another level. So I don't complain. I ask God, please, let me be part of what God is doing. Let me be part of what pastor is, you know, saying so that I, I can go to another level. Because the time we were building my former church where I was for 20 years, I didn't even have, I used to use a border border. Those who've been in Kenya know what that means. And motorbike. I used to foot. But the time they started saying building, building, and we were frontline, that is the time we received our first car. That is the time God gave us another promotion. So anytime God has a demand of money, it is not because he needs it. It is because he wants to bless you. Anyway, he can do all that he can do. But it's because he's looking for an opportunity for you to connect on the altar so that he can bless you. Why do we teach about economic empowerment? The church needs money. Why do we teach about economic empowerment? It's because we have an obligation for our families. We have the obligation to raise these children. We have the obligation of meeting the needs. If you are a man, you have a vision for your family. You have an obligation of paying the bills. Uh, I mean, let me not say a man. All of us as a couple, we have a responsibility. I don't know whether this place, but in our country, culture, culture has made us to believe that the man is the one to really like provide everything. So we need money because uh, sometimes when we, we are men and we marry, women come to support vision. And sometimes when your vision looks like you are not going anywhere, when we teach the young girls to get married, we tell them, don't look for a man who has money, but look for a man who has a vision. Because a vision can, be full, can, be, can become and money can always end. So we tell them, look for somebody who has a vision. And money is the one that will help you fulfill your vision. So if you are a man, you desire that silver and gold belongs to God who is your head. But you are the head of your family. So you need the silver and the gold with you for you to lead that family into the destiny of God. Why do we teach about money lastly? We teach money because we need to remove the misconception. Uh, maybe here in South Africa is different, but where I come from, there is a big misconception about prosperity and success. People believe 
that you can, people of the church are supposed to be poor. And no wonder somebody wrote and said, as poor as a church mouse. The church is a place where we don't need to execute poverty. The church is a place where we need to support the needy. The church is a place where we need to give people hope. And we are not going to give them hope when we are desperate. We are going to give them hope with a changed mind. The church is a place where now we, we are showing people that when they are low, they can come and they will get that fulfillment in terms of even uh, financial needs. So we want to remove a blocked mind. Most of the time, we've had a season where people have been taught about the Holy Spirit. People have been taught about the Word of God. People have been baptized. People have been dedicated. There are so many things in the spiritual realm. But the component of economic has been left out. And that is why they are, I don't mean that is why people struggle, but that is why we have come in this space to make awareness, to tell us that we can discuss these things because they are biblical principles. So we will remove that mindset. And the other mindset that we are preaching this to remove is culture. Because from my culture, uh, once you are, people believe that there are people who have been predestined to die poor. And they have that blocked mind. Even if you bless them with a good dress, they will sell it. Because she believes she cannot wear that dress. Even if you give her good food, she will sell it. Because she believes she has to be poor. Even if you remove her from a, a shattered place to live in a, a good... And I'm not talking people from far. I'm even talking about my own brother. He's, he works for Asians. And I told him, you know what? Uh, we, we, we came together and empowered him with business. And told him, you are going to shift from this house of iron sheets and come to a self-contained house because what we have empowered you with, the business you are doing, God gave me last year to empower my, my siblings. The business you are doing is giving you enough money which you can buy food and pay rent. But up to now, he did not shift. He didn't shift from that small house. You know, because of mindset. So pro we need to preach this thing so that the blocked minds can be unblocked so that they can help God, so that when God wants to bless them, their hearts are open. So the first thing I can teach about change of mindset for a whole two hours, but because today I'm teaching economic empowerment, let me put a comma there. So why do we teach economic? It's because it's God's idea. It is because it is, we need to meet God's desires in the church. We need to meet our family obligations, and we are removing the mindset. So those are the four aspects why I'm passionate about this thing. And I'm passionate because I believe God is in the season of using saints to overcome the world. We are not going to relent and say, okay, because we don't have finances, we, we, we are going to own even our own aeroplanes. So because we are not going to be submitting to policies that are not going to help us. When the church is empowered, then the devil will know his place. When the church is empowered holistically, because we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, as he told the disciples, wait until I empower you. But again, we, we, we don't need to wait until he empowers us and throws money down. We need to use his principles so that we may prosper. He has availed his principles in the Bible. 
So I'm going to share the six principles in a few minutes that will help us to succeed in the economic world. And these principles are general. They are not just for business. They can be for your profession. They can be for your vision. They can be for anything in life because they are general. They are principles that are working. They are principles that people have worked. And some of the principles are inspired by the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Uh, the principle number one that will make us succeed when we want to thrive in our economic areas is vision. Say with me, vision. Uh, it is a simple thing. It is said, it is preached. I know many people talk about vision, but I'm talking about what you can see yourself at the ultimate. Without the pressure of something that you can see, you cannot wake up early. You will be lazy, lazy. Without that thing that can be the ultimate, and it is not just vision, the vision must be in line with the passion. Because when you have a vision and you don't have a passion, somebody said, and I will quote his words, uh, the words of uh, John Maxwell. He says um, that if your vision doesn't cost you something, it is a daydream. And also he says, vision without passion is like a picture without possibilities. You know, in our country, we normally take the president's portrait and put it somewhere in the office. So it is like that office is representing the president or one day maybe the president will visit and see his portrait. But that is almost impossible to some villages because years and years I've seen, I've never seen the president visiting somebody's office. So having a vision in your write-up, the Bible says in Habakkuk 2.2, the vision, write it down to the tablet. Make it clear. Even though it tarries, it will surely come to pass. Now, the problem is not the writing. Kenyans are very good writers. They write, they write things. They have a very good constitution. But the problem is when you are not passionate about what you have put down. They have very good documentaries. You visit organizations, they have strategic plans. They are experts. I have friends who are very good in write-ups. But it is not from the heart. Now, a vision can only be a vision of business if you can have passion connected with it. Let me give a very good example. This church has the vision bear. Now, if the vision bearer just keeps telling us, you know, I have this, I want to do this, and, and it's not passion. It is not like part of his dream. It is not like uh, orchestrated from his deep belly of the heart. That thing will not make any sense. But passion, I told us the other day that passion can make you die for it. Now, vision is something that you see the ultimate, even no, when nobody is seeing. What will make you be uncomfortable and get annoyed with the common things is because you have a, a vision that is pressing you. And what makes people succeed? Show me any man that has succeeded. I'll show you people who dream their visions daily. They wake up, they tell people, I've seen Pastor, I, I was happy when Pastor was taking us around. He's, he's, he's envisioning what he wants to do and how he's, he's going to 
you know, bring these, um, you know, fittings in the other church. And I can see him envisioning and seeing a magnificent and a mega church. And, you know, I can relate with it already. And I can be part of it. Why? Because it's passion. So for you to succeed in any business, you cannot just come and say, I want to start exporting avocados in Kenya. It needs to be something that you are passionate about. And nobody will stand against a passion. People who are passionate, I know you've watched about the passion of Christ. I know you've watched about some uh, movies where people are passionate with each other and they want to marry. Even if parents said no, they'll break the boundaries. So the first thing in life for you to be a successful person, and I don't mean that success is having money. Success is achieving that what God has locked in you. If you want to succeed, be passionate about it. So if you have to write down the vision in business, write it with an alignment with passion. Let it be something you are passionate about. And it begins with small things. Mama, Pastor Josephine loves cooking, if I'm not wrong. She cooks very nice food. If she opened a bakery or, or, a, hotel, or a hotel or something, it will be out of, she will not struggle because she knows exactly the menu and everything. If I did it, I will close the following day. Because I'll write, because I'm a manager, I know how to do those strategic things and all that. But I don't have the idea. It's not, it's not connecting with me. So if you want to write a vision, and especially in terms of business, write it in line with your passion. And sometimes the vision may not be the business idea. I'm coming to that. The vision can be the ultimate, can be the mega church we are thinking about, can be the company that you are talking about, can be just that business, the wholesale and all that. Don't worry about how it will come to pass. Write it down. Because Abraham was told, as far as your eyes can see. And you know he was with a man whose name was Avail. The man called Lot. If my Bible serves me right in terms of the Hebrew, in Hebrew, that name seems to mean hidden, something avail. And Lot was hindering him to see far, to see the ultimate. But when they separated, the Bible says, lift up your eyes and see yonder sea. As, as far as your eyes will demarcate or draw a perimeter in the, in the, in the mind, then I will give you. And I'm sure Abraham saw some of us. That is why we are his, his heirs, you know. And as far as you can see, if you want to see yourself a billionaire, you can achieve it. What you see, but that is why we have to change the mindset first. If you have a grasshopper mentality like the people who are with the Caleb, and Caleb came out, they were saying, we will, we will be destroyed. But you need to have a Caleb mentality. We will suddenly make it. We will conquer. We will do it in Jesus' name. So first thing is vision. I can talk about vision for one year. But just know that you have four areas that you can formulate your vision. The family area, you need to have a vision. Because you can do many things. But if you are not aligning your family again, it will be grumbled. And then you need to formulate the same family or your vision in ministry. And then you need to have a vision for your business. 
If the three can work, I tell you, no demon will play around with you. Uh, number two principle. The first principle is the principle of vision. The second principle is the principle of smart objectives. Most why Kenyans have a problem with implementing the constitution, the strategic plans, everything they write up, they, they write, is because we are not good in following up the objectives. When you have the bigger vision, come a little bit lower and ask yourself, how? With the who? When? Where? And why? I asked Mama Teresa a question and he, she has not answered me up to now. I don't know whether she got the answer. I asked her yesterday, <laughs> why do people do business? And she told me to get rich, to have money, to meet my needs. I told her, you have not got it. Up to now, I'm still waiting for an answer. But she said, when I'll be teaching, I should answer it. Let me answer it. We do business not because we want to get money. We do business because we want to meet people's needs. And in the process of meeting their needs, we get our value. Hallelujah. We don't begin churches because we need an offering. <laughs> but when we meet people's needs, God's house is filled with plenty. We don't begin to sell clothes because we want to get money. Because if you begin like that, you will grumble again. You will begin and people are not going to give you money or some circumstances will happen and then you will stop. But there, if you are, that's why I said it needs to have passion. We, 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 we come to Cape Town, like if I came here, uh, I, will, I will know that the kind of clothes I want to give people are the warm clothes during the winter. Or I will know that the people who are selling in the mall there, they are selling fruits expensively. So if I was to do business next week, that is if I will be here, I will go to the farmers and I will get, I will drive there, get the fruits at a cheaper price and make sure that I don't compete with those ones. I put my price a little bit lower. And because people have a problem of going to the market, I'll walk door to door giving them my fruits. So my problem is not that I need money. I want to help them the problem of distance. Some of them don't have a vehicle to drive there and there are, they, they are no groceries like Kenya. They are all over. So I will make sure I bring it at your door. And by so doing, I'll receive my value. So the reason I'm beginning is to meet people's needs. Are we together? So when you begin an objective, the question of how do you want to do it? When do you want to do it? Where? Just answer the question how, when, where, with who. And you come and formulate in small, smaller goals. When you do that, the big vision becomes a little bit near your heart. Now, you can put it into long term and short term. Short term in the sense that you want to begin a church. I'm, I'm using an example that we are all can relate with. I want to begin a church in Kenya. I will come and start a renting place. But the ultimate is the magnificent mega church. 
But I will begin from the first aspect is I want to begin a fellowship where I can just rent and I need this and this and I need this and that. Maybe I'll begin with drums, but my ultimate is to have such kind of instruments. So you have to stipulate long term and then short term. And in the long term, let it be very smart, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time bound. When David was preparing for a magnificent uh, temple, he did not just build because he, he is building. I'm telling you, if you read about the temple that Solomon built, most of the credit goes to Solomon. But you read about the preparation of David, it was, it was wonderful. You can see a strategist. You can see somebody who was visionary. And he said, Solomon is young. And he may not do it the way God instructed. Meaning there are goals that had been written and there are objectives that had been written to follow. And he prepared everything, everything the way, the pattern, the design, the kind of material to be used, it was in place. That is preparation. And that is why many ministers mistake saying uh, Solomon built his house, taking um, more time and the house of God. It is because David had already prepared. So when the time for building came, it took shorter time. It is not because the house of Solomon was better than the house of God. It is because preparation had been done. So if you want to excel in life, don't do things just fumble, fumbling here and there. Prepare them well. Plan. It may take 20 years, but let me tell you, it will come to pass. Don't be worried with those who are overtaking you and you know, running around. Let them do. You will catch up with them, but yours will be quality and long-lasting. So have smart objectives and the company, the business, even if it means beginning with fruits with a thousand, a hundred runs. <laughs> even if it means a thousand runs, it will, be, it will grow into a company. It will grow into a big business because you have followed the the strategies that you've put in place. So that is something that many people forget and they say, I have a big vision and they remain on top up there. They don't come out because you need to have even a mentor that you can ask and say, next year I'm planning one, two, three and it will come to pass. The third principle uh, is the principle of idea generation. Now I will restrain myself from this explaining so much because this is now where we teach about business. Having an idea. You have the bigger picture. You have the objectives. You have now put the long term and the short term. The Bible says in Proverbs 31.13, this woman, she selects wool and flax. That is her passion. And the Bible says she brings food from afar. Meaning when she brings things, she, she goes far to make things that are profitable. And her dealings are profitable. Now, and that is where the idea of what do I want to do to add value? The first thing is that God will never drop money for, for you to succeed. He will always bring opportunities. Say with me, opportunities. He will always avail, either in form of people, in form of a challenge, in form of a need, he will, God will always, and that is where 
Christians, we need to be ask God to give us ideas born of his spirit, sensitivity. Because God will bring a challenge, and then from that challenge, you will, like, like God took me somewhere to teach on economic empowerment. And so many questions were raised, and they said, we are living in, gener in a generation of online business. Which business is the best? And I was like, you know, these things of online, you cannot prescribe to church members because you can bring a mistake. They can go invest their money and it, it swallows their money. So I was challenged and I kept on and I didn't have peace. So the pastor called me and said, there are, there are people who want to meet you. They have a, a business they have been doing. They want you to tell them whether it's right business. You see that challenge, I kept on praying that God will give me an idea. And they say they want to send you to that place so that you may analyze the person of that forex business so that you may tell us whether he's the right person. I went, uh, they sent me, I went, called the guy for a cup of tea. I interrogated him, I called my husband to talk to him again. We visited his home, we saw what he's doing, we went to his office, and later on I realized he's a genuine man. And that is how I invested for the current car that I have. That is the business that I invested in and got the current car that I have. If you are not jealous, you would have clapped for the Lord. <laughs> so sometimes God will not always just bring the idea like that. He brings even a challenge for you to solve. And then in the process, he, it is an idea. Sometimes he will bring an idea by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you will get people's need. Like you can walk in Cape Town and see this is, the, this is something that people need in Cape Town. Now, the way to develop an idea is solving that problem. And we said we don't start business to make money. We start business to solve people's problems. And while solving their problems, we get our opportunity of getting money. So we need to think outside the box. At times, uh, Christians in, in, in my country, they don't have time to think because we are always, if you've been in Nairobi, people are always busy. We are busy, busy, busy. I'm telling you, if I land in Nairobi, I'll be the busiest woman. But there is need for us to have a reflection moment for ideas. If you want to succeed in life, don't go to the beach go in a, maybe the beach can be better also. You go in a place where you can have a silent moment, where you can think outside the box. When, when government officials want to come up with the constitution, they are taken to in Kenya to a place called Naivasha. It's very cold and quiet for them to think. And they are paid a lot of money. The Bible says, God will bless us according to his riches in his glory. That, those riches are not limited. He can give us those ideas. Riches may not be silver and gold. They are just the ideas. Bible talk of Solomon having asked for wisdom and knowledge. And because of that, there is no wealthiest man in the Bible than Solomon. So when you want to make something extraordinary, you need to create time. And go pray. But as you pray, also don't be so immersed in talking to God so much. Have some reflection time. That God will drop ideas. And that I think that is what we will pray today. That God will drop ideas born of his spirit. You know, our poverty levels are different. 
We may be talking at some of us trusting upon God for a thousand, others 10,000, others are already millionaires here. But I want you to see the bigger picture. Don't limit yourself and say, okay, I have a job, I'm working, I don't need these things. Because there's something more than we said in the assignment. There's something more than just feeding your family. There's something more than just buying clothes for your babies. There's something better than what we are doing. Hallelujah. So we need those ideas. We need ideas that will, people will ask, who gave out this idea? We need ideas that will, will change with the trends and be permanent because the technology has come. And sometimes Christians remain behind when there are technologies. Right now, people are using WhatsApp, YouTube, and all that to advertise for businesses. And at times, we just look at them and we are ever on Facebook and doing our own things, and we still complain that we don't have money. But this technology, you can sit under a tree or in your house and think about how you can use your phone just to market for something. And before you notice, you will be there. And remember, we have an advantage as we don't just do things. God is there with us. And we remember, we have sacrifices that we give on his altar. So our monies are also secure. So because we have that advantage, we can come and check things Come up with ideas. Look for opportunities that will add value, that will meet people's needs, and those in return will be profitable to us. We have the fourth principle, second last, which is the principle of capital mobilization. Apostle, if time, just wave at me if I have five minutes to. Capital mobilization. You cannot do anything without capital. You cannot, you know, Many people think that the Holy Spirit will, will just come and uh, you say, okay, I want this business. And then you, like when I've come from Kenya, I just come here, I go to the market there, I start by buying things and I go to Kenya. Oh, I bought this in South Africa. But that is not the way God wants us to do, to do things. I've told you just a good example of David. He was very systematic in his doing things. And... Um, Matthew 25 is a good example, 14 to 30. We can read at our own time about the talents. These people who are given talents and one, one, two, three, and some went to entrepreneur about them, and the other one said he hid, he hid it so that the, king, the, 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 the person who was entrusted him will not, will be, has a bad attitude. So, there are people who have a bad attitude and all of us are victims at some point because when we get employed, most of us get employed. When we get employed, we think about savings. I'm sure even people in Europe, people in America do the same. When people get employed, they think about mortgage for the house. They think about savings for, for school fees or needs. And then they think about retirement. And that is all. And so they live a flat life. You know, you, have, you are born, you went to school like your parent, you, your parent also did the same, started working, got a mortgage, and then you pay, and then you replicate the same thing. Maybe with a better job, you still do the same thing. Now, when God gives us employment, it is a seed. 
it is a seed. And in the Bible, the word seed has been repeated several times. When God gives you salary, budget, have those savings, but not with the attitude of saving to die when you have retired, when you are old age to eat. That money is money which you need to now plant and invest in business. It is not money for you to, because it will replicate the same thing. So when will you get financial freedom? I used to think that. And there is a mama friend of mine, a very big warrior. She was a teacher. And she started ailing cancer. And uh, all through we kept on, you know, contributing money for the med medicine and all that. But she was a single mom and she, she, she just kept on sa saving. We didn't know. So when she died, they got almost 300,000 Kenya shillings on her account. And you know, there is this man they had separated who married somebody else and moved on with his life and living a flashy life. And she suffered so much that she can't even buy herself something good to, you know, happy because she's doing some savings. Now, it is good to save money. So, the principle of capital mobilization, the first thing you need to do is to use your saving as the first capital. Many people make mistakes and go for loans. And now when they, you go for loan, they come for your house. They go for mortgage. They do what? You have taken the first loan in the bank. You have never had the business. Now when the business collapses, that is why people try business once and they, for, they leave. Why? Because you took a loan, you invested. In the first investment, we always advise it is good to use your savings. Or you can borrow from your sweetheart. <laughs> or you can borrow from your mom and your dad. That is okay if, if they don't want it back. But if you can use your savings, you know it's good to feel the pinch, the pain. So that if I've been saving, 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 I'll not mess up with that business. Because I know these have been my savings. And you know, you can have a learning ground from the savings. Are we together? The second way of mobilizing capital is, we call it in Kenya, chama. I don't know here how we call it. But chama is where we can say, Pastor Peter's family. You know, I'm now part of that family. We raise money together as a family. Or people of the same interest. We say youth. I'm also a youth. We say the youth of this church want to bring 100,000, all of us. And then we put together. And then we begin that business. That is what we call chama. But in the chama, you contribute, contribute through savings, and everybody has shares. Then when we have so, mobilized those resources, then we begin a business. Either a group business, or I can now borrow from the chama based on my shares. Then I begin. That is also another way of beginning. First, your own savings. Second, from the chama you know, from the groups. The third way is circle. When you, when you have a circle, like a place of work, like in Kenya, we have teacher circle, health people have their circles, companies, people have their circles, or if you're working in a company, there is some money they detect, and then you have your shares. You can take a loan. It is also very friendly. It is not with a lot of pressure for the loan. You can take there. And then the last one, which is very risky, is banks. Now, we advise people to take bank loans if you, are, if you are now 
an investor, and I'm going to explain that. When you begin a business, you are called an entrepreneur. Just like selling fruits, a grocery, what, you are an entrepreneur. You are still learning. You are getting the idea. It is still coming in shape. When you move from an entrepreneur, you become a businessman. A businessman is somebody, you, you can now open a shop here. You say, okay, I sell clothes and I do what, and you are still managing it yourself. You are a businessman. Now, you move from that level to a business owner, okay? So the business owner is the one whom you have employed people now. It is stable. People can run for you. You can open another branch in Durban, Pretoria, and what. That is now a business owner. You have employees. You now want an accountant. You, the structures are very clear. Even if you are not there, it will run. That one can take a bank loan. Now, the last one is an investor. An investor is like Safaricom, Kenya. They are investors. Money works for you. And all of us desires to be investors. How many investors are in the house? <laughs> I'm running very fast. Uh, the other principle apart from capital mobilization is the principle of taking risk. Show me any man who has succeeded. I'll show you a risk taker. If you are not ready to take risk, don't try business. Don't have even, a, don't even stop writing visions. Even in ministry, if you cannot take risks to pay the price, forget about it. So you need to take risk. And most of us, including myself, we, the rubber start meeting the road here. Because we have the ideas. I know most of us, what I've been teaching, you know, you can Google and you can get. But the problem is when it comes to taking risk. Now, the fathers of faith in Hebrews 11, all of them were risk takers. If you cannot take risk as a Christian, and you know, as the advantage we have is that we are people of faith. So we need to even be more, you know, above, ahead of people in taking risks. But unfortunately, it's the other way around. The, people, the Bible says the children of the world are more shrewd, the sons of God. Because them, they take risks and they don't care. They partner with strangers. But we, the children of God, we can't trust each other. We can't partner. We can't take risks. In my culture, they say he wa she wants to make herself rich using my money. If you tell people to partner, they look at you with one eye. Because they want this one, eh, she has failed. Life has been hard. Now she wants to take my money. Because, and that is the mindset I always preach about. Because especially in my community, we, they cannot partner. They cannot partner. They will say, you want to eat my money, you want to steal my money, and they have a lot of fear. They cannot risk. So risk-taking is something that we need to, you know, look into. Show me anybody who has risked, I'll show you somebody who thrived. Even the people who developed this power, I, I'm told they tried hundred times, and the, the 99 times, the 100 times is when it worked. No, we need to risk, because even if when I came to, with Mama Teresa in a plane, uh, it was a risk, Mama, right? Because <laughs> we don't know whether we are going to, to land, or we don't know what the plane will happen up there. So everything in life is a risk. So even in business, we need to risk, and, and it's going to be good with us. Now, 
The other principle is the principle of getting knowledge. That's the last one. Getting knowledge. The Bible says in, um, in Acts 7.22 that Moses was highly educated. You know, you know, I've read the Bible and I've seen that God was a very strategic person. Is, not was. Is. Because when Moses was just right from birth, he was strategically placed in the house of Pharaoh to get education so that that education may help him in his assignment. Now, when we do business, profession, it is good to have knowledge over that which you want to do. It is not good to engage into a business that you have no knowledge over. It will grumble again. If you don't know, if you can begin without knowing, I advise that you get knowledge. You acquire knowledge. That is why we normally have trainings. Even the big companies always take their staff for training. Because they want to remove your culture from your mind and bring in what they need in that company. So if you begin business, please go and attend business meetings. Don't overlook because you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Go get, acquire knowledge. Because we need this knowledge. We need financial management knowledge. We need record keeping. We need to know how to motivate our employees. We need to understand the concept of marketing. We need to understand financial, you know, the inflations, what is happening, trends, so that you can change your products. Now, if we don't have that knowledge, we start a business, we rabashanda, we pray, we talk in tongues, it remains the same. We, we need excellency in the house of God. And for us to acquire that, if we began business, I'm, I'm sure there are people doing business here, do excellence. And even if you are employed, get knowledge. Add more, read more about what you are doing. I always tell young people, if I get employed in a company, it's me who will resign. The boss will not resign. You know, he can't sack me because I'm going to add value. Even if I don't know, even if I don't know how to do that, I'll, I'll make sure day and night I sleep with the midnight oil so that I may know when I arrive in that office, I'm as good as the manager or the, the person owning. Because I'll do it so well to a level that I'm adding value. Now, nowadays, I want to talk to the young people. If you are getting employed, what are you taking to that company? It is more, it's not a degree that we are looking for. We are looking for value. And in the house of God, it should be double that. Because this is the most high God. We should not come in the house of God and just have laxity and just do things, you know, the way we want. Why? Because it is the house of God. We need to add some more value. When you arrive, people know solutions have come. Why? Because you have got knowledge in that thing. You've researched. You want to know more about it. And as you do it, the favor of God follows you. So if you want to excel in life, have a vision. Bring it down to objectives. Be a risk taker. Make sure that you get an idea on how, where, when, and which idea are you using to get this money. And when you do that and acquire knowledge in the same thing, the Lord is going to bless us. There are keynotes I want you to know. One, develop a saving habit. Know there is something called budgeting. Record keeping. 
and then dream to be an investor. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to pray, and I'm going to ask uh, the grace in the house, Pastor Josephine, just to pray for us. I know most of us are in various categories. I don't know what your desire is. These are just highlights because it's not enough time for a training. But when God sensitizes us like this, there could be somebody saying, how do I begin? Where do I begin from? Because God wants to give us financial freedom and even excellency in whatever we are doing. Because of the grace she has, I wonder how to pray with us so that God may give us ideas born of his spirit in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you tonight. Lord God, you know the needs and the desires of the hearts of your people, my Father. I pray tonight, O oh God, as your word has been ministered unto us, it's your desire for us to excel, Lord God. It's your desire for us to prosper, O oh God. It's your desire for us, O oh God, that we will be investors in the kingdom of God. Father, you have given us gifts and talents through the works of the Holy Spirit, O oh God. And Lord God, we know that the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of understanding of the fear of the Lord. My God, I pray that you will give us wisdom, that you will open our understanding, Lord, that you will open our eyes, that we will see, O oh God, where it is that you want to take us, Lord God. Holy Spirit, that you will help us to discover the abilities, O oh God, inside of us, Lord God, that you have placed within us before we were even born, Lord God. Father, your word says that you have barak into us. You have given us the ability to succeed, Lord God. And so I pray, O oh Lord God, let your spirit arise within us tonight in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord. Father, we believe that all things are possible when we believe, O oh God, and we stand on the promises of your word that is yea and amen, O oh God. Lord God, I pray tonight as your word has been dropped into our spirit, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit will continue to, to minister, O oh God, even as we will leave this place, O oh God, that that one thing, Lord God, that you have called us to, Lord Jesus, that the Holy Spirit will bring it to remembrance, Lord God. Father, that you will open our eyes, Lord God, that we will see, oh God, that there is greatness within us, oh God. It doesn't matter where we come from. It doesn't matter what people have said about us, Lord. But God, that we will know that our God is our creator. And he has created us, oh God, to be the head and not the tail, oh God. So I pray, Father God, for opportunities, Lord God. 
I pray, Lord God, that you will bring us into divine connections, O oh God. That you will give us, O oh God, the grace, O oh God, to take a leap of faith, Lord, and take that risk, O oh God, knowing that God is able to make us succeed in this life, Father. I plead the precious blood of Jesus over every person here tonight. Over our young people, oh God, I believe that you have ordained them to be present here tonight, Lord. That they have heard, Lord God, the testimony of this woman, Lord God. Father, as she has shared a knowledge, oh God, Lord, she has not just shared knowledge, but she has shared out of her life because she has touched success, Lord God. And I pray tonight, Father God, that they will begin to desire, oh God, that they they will begin to see themselves in another place, oh God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will give them dreams and vision, Lord, where they will see themselves, Lord God, in a high place, oh God. That they will see themselves in a higher level, oh God. Lord, that they will not look to where they come from or to their communities, Lord God. But Lord, that they will see themselves through the eyes of Jesus Christ, oh God. I pray, Spirit of the living God, that you will breathe over their spirit, Lord God. Breathe over their life, oh God. Breathe over their circumstances, Lord. We speak life, oh God. We speak life, Lord. We speak success, Lord. We speak favor, Lord. We speak new opportunities, Lord. We speak visions and dreams will come to pass in the name of Jesus, oh God. Oh, Lord, we pray for those, Lord, that are thinking, but how can this be? How will I be able to make it, Lord? I pray, Spirit of the living God, that you will breathe over their lives, Lord. Let faith arise within them, Lord. Oh, God, I pray that you will show them what is in their hands, Lord God. And I pray what is in their hands as they will place it into your hands, Lord. That they will see multiplication, Lord. That they will see the grace of God. That they will see the mighty power of God at work in their lives. In the mighty name of Jesus. We bless you and we honor you, Father. You are an awesome God. You are a mighty God, Lord. Father, you have used the weak things of this world to confound the wise, oh God. So I pray that this church, Lord, will move to another level of grace and power, Lord God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you praise and honor tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.